It's hard to put into words, honestly, and it feels different at different times. When my anxiety is high, it feels like an absolute inability to make decisions. Like, I would rather not do something than decide what to do. And it's almost paralyzing, which is odd, because it seems like it's simple. Do you want to go on a walk or sit on the couch and watch TV? And I'm like, I can't figure that out. My, I don't have the brain power. Box owners, it's your girl Mandy B, and I'm back again with yet another episode of Period Sis brought to you by the official box owner. I'm super excited for this conversation this week because we are digging into mental health. Um, ironically, I don't think we've gotten into many conversations with that, so I'm super excited to be joined with one of my followers who reached out with a compelling story. So we're gonna get to it, guys. It's another tale of womanhood for women. Today, I am joined with Lindsay, who is a nutrition student with a story to tell. Hi, Lindsay. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for reaching out and even being open to not only sharing your story with me, um, but with everyone listening. And I just kind of refreshed myself with your story uh, right before we hopped on. So let's start where you want to start in terms of getting us down this path of uh, your journey to mental health and and figuring out what type of help uh, really needed to be had. So, Lindsay, wh where do we start? <laughs> yeah, I, I think we can start from from the beginning. We can start from um, really where the knowledge of needing to get my mental health in check came from. Um, in 2017, I went through a great deal of losses, um, starting with my grandmother. She was elderly, had a few sick um, issues with her health, and she died. And then six months later, my mother passed away. And then a year and a half after that, her husband, my stepfather, passed away. Um, whirlwind of just grief and dissociating and, and everything because at the time I was also working as an EMT okay. um, and I worked for a private company so we did, we did two things. We had our 911 side where we were going to emergency calls and we also did a convalescent side where we picked some patients up from nursing homes or like hospice, hospice facilities yep. exactly and like took them back and forth and because my move started with going because all of my family had been sick or needing help um they had all been in and out of those facilities my grandmother was in a nursing home um my stepfather ended up needing some sort of hospice care at the end of his cancer journey and then my mother passed away in a hospital that i was going in and out of four or five times a day. So you, I mean, I mean, literally what you're saying in itself is I, I couldn't imagine dealing with that, not only personal loss, but literally being around death and around people grieving and losing their lives and families. And I think that while your story happened in 2017 with what we've experienced over the last year and a half, I'm sure your story is going to resonate with so many people because 
a lot of people have grieved in ways that they weren't expecting due to the pandemic. So you lost these family members. You were seeing, you know, a bit of loss in also your workspace. Um, what ended up, what was the, what, what happened next? So what happened next was I got to a place where I just couldn't take it anymore. I found myself being extremely dissociated. So basically going to work and zoning out, having flashbacks of remembering my mom passing away, remembering those like tragic moments where they were doing CPR or making last calls because like I said, I was in and out of that hospital constantly. Right. Um, so I started going to therapy I actually started going to therapy before anyone passed away because I started to struggle with some anxiety. Um, okay, well, I I, I want to pause there real quick. You started going to therapy. Was it suggested? Was it um, referred? Was did someone refer you to a therapist? Was it something that you had done previously in the past? No, it was it was really a, a self motivated kind of thing. I I just wasn't feeling like myself. Mm. I I didn't enjoy my work the way I was enjoying it. I, I loved being an EMT. I know it's a really like high pressure, intense kind of job, but I felt my best as an EMT. I felt like a superhero, you know, like right. I, I loved it. So when it got to a place where I was like, I can't think straight, I'm getting anxious every time I hear our tones going off because I'm worried it's going to be someone dead and I'm being triggered. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, something's wrong. Something is off. I need to, I need to figure this out. And so you reached out to a therapist and started therapy. What was that process like? Um, you even used the word anxious. I was just talking to a friend recently. The word anxiety and anxiousness isn't really a word that you use as a black person growing up. Of course I know not. Now we use it. And anxiety was always something that I was like, anxiety, that sounds like depression or it sounds like bipolarness. We literally, mm-hmm. the, the most basic aspects of mental health which are really true emotions that we feel we almost feel like they had to be medically diagnosed for us to really be there so was that something that you knew you had you again you mentioned it did you know about anxiety before seeking out uh, a professional so yes and no i knew it existed right Right. um especially in the field i worked in right so like i know of all of the things but when i started to feel off i couldn't quite place my finger on it um and when i did start therapy and she started using words like general anxiety disorder and things like that i was like whoa like you don't gotta give me a label like maybe i'm just not feeling good today like i don't need that label right away because like you said we don't we don't do that. We don't got anxiety. We I'm just upset any, today. But also the idea of a disorder. We do believe yeah. that we show up and we have to show out even to the world as our best selves. So the mm-hmm. idea that something is wrong, we don't want to attach or, or label ourselves with having a disorder. No. That, no. that makes us feel even crazier. Like, oh, no, nah, yeah. nah, actually, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to get over this. But in reality, that's not really the case. So that's not she, how that works so all the she, time. She goes to try to label you as having the anxiety disorder. And your response was like, nah. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I think I'm just having like a hard time. Um, mm. But eventually, after a while, 
because it just kept becoming more debilitating. I, I just I recognized that I just was not living my life the way that I had been living it. Um, mm. So I, I got on anxiety medication. But Can you explain I, what the medications were and why? Sure. What they were prescribed for? Yes. So the anxiety medication, unfortunately, I cannot remember the name of it, okay. but it was something that I can take if I felt like an anxiety attack coming on. I could okay. take it and what it would do would calm me down, make my thoughts less racy. They were still going, but like maybe I could grab a hold of one and, and tell it to sit down for a minute so I can breathe. Okay. Um, and that's what it did for me. But but I started that while my mother was still alive and like while my family was still alive. And I remember telling my older sister, we were like out grocery shopping. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of like getting on anxiety medicine. And it was very hushed. It was very like shameful. And she was like, okay, like that's good. And I was like, all right, yeah, but don't tell mom. You know, like I remember just being like, I don't want anybody to know. There was such a shame around this idea that I needed medication to help control my emotions. Even right. now, I, I'm on depression medication, and it's, it's sometimes a daily struggle that I have to convince myself and remind myself that I need this because mental illness is not a, an outward illness, right? It's right. not like when your leg is broken, you have a cast on it. She's like, oh, I can take this pain pill because my leg is broken, obviously. Obviously, right. Right? But but my brain is a little off. There's some chemicals that are not quite doing what they're supposed to be doing. But because I can't see it, when I have to go and take this medication every day, it's just like, oh, I don't know if I really need this. I don't, is this all made up? Am I pretending? Am I just not capable? Am I not trying enough? Mm, does Do you feel... Outside of the antidepressant uh, changing, of course, your your mood, I would say, do you feel like you are actually a different person on these medications or do you still feel like you may be a better version of yourself through the medication? Right. I feel like on my current medication, because there has been some trials and tribulations, yes. um, I am a better version of myself. I do not feel different. My depression has not gone away. I'm on a very low dose, but that's, you know, that's kind of for personal reasons at different strokes for different folks do what makes do what makes sense for you right um I feel like I am I'm a better version of myself but I I was on a medicine um a fixer I believe was the name of it and I remember I was still working in EMS and I was working night shift and we were coming into the bay after the shift and we always catch like the sunrise right and that's something that can like always make me extremely emotional like, I'll see a sunrise or a sunset, and I'm just like, oh, it's so beautiful. I just, it always gets me. And I remember seeing it and not feeling anything, feeling completely ah. numb, like, well, I don't, sure, whatever, I guess. And there was something inside of me that was like, whoa, red flag, red hello. Flag, red flag, right. Hello, you like these things. Maybe this medicine isn't for you, because I was numb. It numbed me out. So was that something that... You brought back to your doctor uh, or therapist only because that's the thing. Um, I've had quite a few family members um, that have had to take different sorts of antidepressants and medicine uh, for, like you said, chemical imbalances with their emotions. Mm -hmm. And they disliked the medication so much. They just felt medication is making me something I'm not. I'm not taking it. So mm -hmm. you actually said, which I commend you is that you realized, well, 
maybe this certain medicine doesn't work, but let me see if maybe there's something else because you were adamant on fixing whatever it was that you were feeling that you know wasn't right. So what yeah. was that conversation? Did you go in and explain to your healthcare provider that the medication that was prescribed was not cutting it? Yeah, that, that's exactly what it was. Um, I actually did something that's not recommended. I kind of, I stopped cold turkey, which mm. they do not recommend, which I do not recommend. Okay. You're supposed to wean yourself off of it. But I stopped cold turkey and I went in and I said, this medicine does not work for me. It, it made me numb. I was not feeling anything. At first that was appropriate, right? At first that was great. Cause I was like, oh, I don't have to feel pain. Amazing, let's keep this going. <laughs> but then it was like, oh wait, I'm not feeling happiness either. I'm not feeling the things that bring me joy either. This is a problem. Mm. Um, but I had to get to a certain place in my life where I recognized that I, I wasn't feeling anything. I, I had to get there. I had to have that growth. But yes, I, I went to my healthcare provider and I said, I can't, I can't do this. It's not working well. And she's like, okay, well, we'll wean you off. And I was like, oh, I stopped two weeks ago. And she's like, whoa, don't do that. That's not good. Did you notice a difference when you went cold turkey? Why do you suggest someone to not go cold turkey? Yeah, absolutely. I recognize the difference. <laughs> uh, there's these fun things called brain zaps. Okay. Um, where it feels like, God, how do I describe it? A brain zap? A brain zap. It's like when you're like trying to... <laughs> almost like a headache, but it almost feels like you're being shaken. Like someone came and just like shook you up real quick and then it's gone. And then okay. shook you up real quick and it's gone. And it's a very weird... I don't know why it happens. I wish I had the knowledge to share, but that's why you're supposed to wean yourself off of it. And I also started to feel everything at once. And I didn't have a therapist appointment, like I said, for two weeks. So I drop cold turkey and then I'm like crying. I oh, am no. crying, I can't get myself together and I didn't have the support that I needed had I, but if I had gone and said, hi, I need to wean off this medicine, like, okay, maybe we can get you in sooner. Get the support you need basically and that's why you shouldn't, you shouldn't do it without proper guidance. Well by the way, speaking of, I know your story started in 2017. We're now in 2021. How has it been with the pandemic? Um, and are you still uh, working somewhat in the healthcare field? Um, and then uh, after that, I do also want to discuss what your view is now after being on medication for so long. Um, but let's start back. How has your mental been affected with the pandemic? Yeah. It's, it's been hard. I, I think I've had moments where my lows have been extremely low mm. and I can attribute that to my depression, but I think everyone has just had really low lows this year. That part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just been a matter of like recognizing what is my depression? What is just worldwide grief? and pain and everything and just trying to stay afloat mm. trying to just not let myself succumb to the terrible ruminations that sometimes can happen when you don't have that support or you're not seeing your friends and family every day and yeah that's 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 where i found myself a lot of times just trying to decipher where these feelings were coming from and then sometimes not. Sometimes like, okay, I'm I'm just extra depressed today, so I guess I'm just going to stay in bed. That's it. And that's never the solution. 
You know, sometimes it is. I mean, but how long? Exactly. That's that's the thing. I think that, you know, I I enjoy watching TV when I'm overwhelmed. I just Mm -hmm. lay on my couch. My phone is in another room. My laptop is closed. And I just take a breather. But I enjoy watching TV, laying, and forgetting about the world. Mm -hmm. However, like you said, there is a healthy way of doing that and an unhealthy way of doing that. Absolutely. So doing that for maybe three days <laughs> straight would mm-hmm. not be considered something that would be healthy. But no. of course me taking half a day off, finishing work at one and just relaxing for the rest of the day, that is a healthy way. So outside of the medication, do you have other exercises that you do to kind of keep you in good spirits or make sure that you don't sink into a depressive state? Absolutely. Um, I do yoga. Uh, okay. I actually have a class, and it's it's really a community that we've been able to build um, every Sunday, um, and it's outdoors, so that's another huge kind of just boost for yes. the emotional system, just to be outside and breathe and move my body, and I really applaud my yoga instructor because she she just says, come out and get on your mat, even if you just got to get on your mat and lay down. Right. You did it. Congratulations. You've done yoga today. Like, that's it. Um, But I think I also want to say, backtracking just a tiny bit as far as the, like, laying in bed kind of thing, something that my therapist uh, recommended for me that works for me when I'm in my lowest of lows is schedule it. Okay, you're having a bad day. You want to lay in bed all day? Fine. When that commercial hits, get up and wash your dishes. Then you can lay back down. When the next commercial hits, maybe go ahead and take a shower. Lay back down. Because sometimes it's all you can do. Sometimes it's all you can do. So it's a matter of bargaining with yourself sometimes. All right, we can lay in bed, but maybe we can be a little productive today if we do this. And I'm not going to lie. You even saying that, I think that I dread on those days where I just want to lay in bed. I dread non-productivity. Mm-hmm. Because what it does is now you know when you wake up or you have to get out of bed, you have double the things to do because you laid in bed all day and realized, damn, I got to take the trash out. Mm-hmm. Damn, I got to wash dishes. Damn, mm-hmm. I actually have a lunch scheduled with a friend tomorrow. And now, and now the anxiety starts all the way over while you're supposed to be relaxing. Oh, yeah. So that's oh, a yeah. very, very, very good tip. Um, and for anyone listening... I think that that is 100% something that should be added into a day of rest. Fold some clothes. Bargain with yourself. Sweep your floor. Something Mm -hmm. to make you feel like, okay, not only was I home all day, I did a little something that that I know I don't have to do tomorrow. Absolutely. Oh, that was amazing. That's that's gotten me through some things. Because with, with, with grief, the amount of grief that I have experienced in my life it was it was all I could do but get up and shower some days and I, I counted that as a win I had to count that as a win because if I didn't what what were my days going to consist of what where was I going to be able to find that joy and that like okay I at least did something if all I could do was get up and shower that day hey I did it you know right I I guess I want I want to go back as well into not only the de- the depressive, you know, state with mental health, but adding in the grieving 
um, mm. to that. And it's it's crazy because grieving is one of those things that you almost can't have a conversation about only because everyone literally grieves differently based on, yeah. again, how that person affected their life. But you went through three losses within, what, the span of a year, year and a half? Year and a half, yeah. And so what were your coping me- mechanisms with grieving? Just... Just if someone is going through grieving and really doesn't understand what that emotion is, because again, that's an emotion. We're not taught how to move past it or how to cope with it or what to do. Yeah. What what worked for you? Or are mm. you still in that set state right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm still in that state. And I think that a good thing about, not a good thing about grief, but something that should be noted about grief is it's, it's never something you just get through. There is no other side to grief. Unfortunately, Um, there is something going around on the Internet about grief being a ball of some kind that that sits inside of you. And there's a button and sometimes the ball rolls around and it doesn't hit the button. And then sometimes the grief ball rolls around and it lays on the button and there's nothing you can do to get it off the button And that's when the grief is very, very intense and you're thinking of your person all day and the slightest thing will just make you cry. You can't even think straight, right? And that's when it's on heavy. And then maybe the ball moves off the button a little bit and maybe you'll have a thought of them and you'll get maybe a single tear instead of a sob session. Right. And it just, it evolves and it looks like different things. And my grief went through so many different stages Um, I had a very unhealthy phase where I was eating everything, sleeping with everything, smoking, you know, drinking anything to numb the reality of my situation. Right. Um, I had a mantra. So many people do that. Yeah. Uh, and I just had a, a, a episode on my other pod, horrible decisions where that was the conversation. Um, it was. I realized I've been having an excessive amount of sex with an excessive amount of partners Mm. and it's not fulfilling, but am I covering up something or, or weight gain, weight loss, eating Mm. those things, uh, definitely, uh, relay back. Yeah. What are you trying to fill? What are you trying to fill in? What are you trying to escape? What are you not sitting with? If you, if you finally stop doing all those things and you just sit down, what's, what's coming up for you? when you just sit down in those moments. Um, I was, like I said, I had the mantra of like, the name of the game is survival. Mm. So although that was helpful sometimes, sometimes when I was going to sleep with that person, I know I had no business sleeping with, that mantra of, oh, the name of the game is survival, just kind of, it worked for me because it gave me an excuse to, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just doing something. I got out of bed today. I, you know, and it just, the intensity of that toxic relationship was also great for me because it made me feel something. Mm. I wasn't numb. I wasn't escaping. It was like, even though it's bad feelings, I'm feeling something. And it was just this excuse of anything will work. Anything will do because I'm just trying to survive instead of live or thrive. I'm just, I'm just trying to survive. I I saw that in your email mm. and when I saw that it was just like but that's not the way to live exactly you don't live 
by just wanting to survive. Mm-mm. And so even that mantra, I think, had a negative tone to how you could escape whatever depression or however you were feeling because life shouldn't be about survival. It should be about living. Yeah. And you're not doing that if you're just, if you just want to make sure you wake up the next day, what type of life is that? So what would be your tidbit of advice to someone? Let's, let's do two parts of that. Let's do, let's go back to the medicinal uh, aspect of it. What would be your advice to someone who may be being referred to medication and literally like you is in fear that a a medication is going to change them? What would be your advice to them if they were listening to this? I think I would I would start by saying ask all the questions. You know, when I made this decision about getting on medication or I was suggested that I get on medication, I was like, okay, well, what is this medication? What's it going to do for me every day when I wake up? How am I going to feel when I'm on this medication? Is this medication going to affect my sex drive? Is this medication Mm. going to affect my appetite? All the questions you can think of, is it going to make me smell? Is it going to make me anything? No question is off the table. Ask everything that you have a question about before you put something into your body because you have that right. Right. Also, something that helps me now, because like I said, I don't want to be on medication right now, is the idea that it's not a forever thing. Mm. This medication is helpful right now because I am in the middle of a pandemic. I'm still grieving all of those losses. And sometimes I just need a little bit of extra help. But I, for my personal- And nothing is wrong with that. But nothing nothing is is wrong with that. Nothing is wrong with needing a little bit of extra help. I need some help. I, I have tried it without it, and I see that I don't do well without it. So I know that right now, where I stand in this, this current place, I need help. But I am hopeful that one day I will be able to get off medication. So I think the other thing is understand that it's not always a lifelong commitment. Mm. Sometimes it's just something that you need for the time being, and that is A-okay. Okay. And then my other uh, advice that I would like to leave off with before we get out of here is, yeah, outside of, of what you've mentioned already, are there any other tactics or exercises that you would recommend someone do with getting over grief? Although you said you, as a person, you may never get over that and maybe it's okay to live with that. But what exercises do you use when you notice that ball is on the button and it's not coming off. Absolutely. Yeah. So many things. I think that if you have a spiritual practice of some kind, feel free to sit down and pray or meditate or talk to your loved ones. I personally have an altar where I have pictures of my family and I sit and I speak to them. And sometimes it helps. Maybe this is a little woo-woo out there for someone but I have a thing where I ask my mom when I'm thinking about you if I'm having a hard time please send me a safety pin I don't know why it was a safety pin but for some reason I said safety pin I was having a very hard day but I was pushing myself to get out of the house so we went to a concert down the street and the woman in front of us in line had a beautiful shirt on and then right in the back of her shirt there was a little safety pin it didn't even look like it was holding on to anything. Like it wasn't a useful safety pin, it looked like. But there it was. And like, God, that moment was just like, oh, 
like hi mom like thank wow. you and th- that's that's my if but if the spiritual thing is not your thing totally fine i think it's a matter of being able to understand that it's okay to sit with your emotions as well um at this time in my life i'm doing a lot of studies of, of buddhism and one of the biggest yes. things is that suffering is something that we create and i know that's kind of a, a touchy kind of subject it is but in a nutshell pain is inevitable pain mm. is inevitable we cannot escape it so mm. when you feel that pain coming in and that grief and oh god i miss them so much today and your initial reaction is to be like oh i can't feel that and you get tight and you try to push it away that's when the suffering kind of comes in because you're not letting yourself live your best life or or live your truth rather mm. so if you you feel that grief knocking on the door open up the door invite them in tell them to sit down and we're just going to sit sit in this for a minute always easier said than done but it's more of just the mindset of allowing yourself to feel what you have to feel in that moment and i know that that's big right now in the conversations of even manifesting Absolutely. like if you, if you speak to yourself like you're broke and you're never going to get over a hump it's going to take that much longer you definitely have to speak things into existence and lindsay i hope that anyone who's listening who's either going through grief or going through a a hump in their mental health, definitely took something from your journey, your experience. Um, And I appreciate you for being brave enough to come on here and share it with me. Um, I'm confident that it'll help somebody. And um, again, guys, make sure that you stay tuned for some stats and facts. Um, We're definitely going to get into um, black mental health and Mm. maybe some statistics regarding uh, being medicated or being diagnosed, uh, like you mentioned earlier on. Lindsay, this was great. Thank you so, so very much um, for joining me. I hope that you and everyone else uh, really takes in the sun when it's out Mm. and, and goes out and enjoys the day and and the world that we're in now, whether it's normal or not. Yes. Um, but Lindsay, let's stay in touch. Thank you so much. And again, if you're listening, please stay tuned for some stats and facts. She recognized that there could be a hereditary component to a serotonin imbalance. And she said, if you start to feel any of these things, just know they're are a variety of ways uh, that you can reach out to people or try to fix it and you don't sort of have to live like that. Such an honest and open story from Lindsay this week. I really appreciate how she was willing to just come on the show and open up about so much. I think a lot of us really are in a space with the pandemic and with just getting older, a space where we're realizing, okay, we need to put us first. I think that's very, very important. And I wanted to, of course, bring you guys some stats and facts. Specifically regarding black women, depression is most common between the ages of 25 and 44, but can, of course, occur at any age. While depression is the most common mood disorder, anxiety disorders, and bipolar disorders are also prevalent. Um, I wanted to share some signs that indicate a mental health condition um, and kind of the things that it may include that you may not even know. Sleeping more or less than usual, increased or decreased appetite, feeling worthless, hopeless, or empty, 
feeling disinterested and unable to enjoy things that usually bring pleasure. Again, Lindsay brought up how the sunrise and sunset were things that normally brought happiness to her. And she realized that she felt nothing. Of course, mood swings, feeling out of control and difficulty concentrating. Something else that is also very interesting. And I know it almost speaks to the opposite, but I did bring this up in the episode as well, that when you are depressed, you may find yourself wanting to excessively have sex either with your partner or um, with multiple partners as a coping mechanism. So I believe that that's something that should also um, be considered. The first steps, of course, are to talk to your primary care doctor or gynecologist, reaching out to a friend, partner, community member that you trust, and always remain consistent and committed to your treatment. I think that therapy is a great thing to consider. Um, And of course, I know that we're in a space where we don't want to believe that medicine is the route to go, but truly consider it. And again, going back to what Lindsay also mentioned, she said that taking medicine isn't a forever thing. It could be something to literally just get you in a space where you do feel like you've created enough exercises to get you truly in control of whatever you feel is out of balance. Um, So definitely reach out. Again, there's a lot of resources currently out here to get mental health at an affordable rate. And if you have health care insurance, a lot of times it does cover um, therapy and counseling. So definitely look into it. Guys, I want to make sure that you are all aware that we have products, baby, over on officialboxowner.com. That's right. This episode and this podcast is brought to you by Official Box Owner. Don't Brett, we are here. We have Bork Acid Suppositories, Apple Cider Vinegar Gummies. We have travel pouches for you to put all of your feminine care needs, whether it's in your purse or in your luggage. And don't forget, we have our anniversary box coming up in October. So if you were not able to get your hands on box number four, there may still be a few left. But if not, make sure you join the mailing list so that you are notified when the next box is to release. Again, I want to thank you guys all for tuning in to yet another episode of Periodsis. Until next time, guys. See you next week. week.